Uh, welcome again to the No Shit Show. Um, I'm uh, one of your co-hosts. My name's Conrad, and I'm drinking a Modelo beer right now. My first beer in since January. Wow, what you been dry yeah. for? I I don't really have a reason. I just, you know, ever since I turned 21, I haven't enjoyed drinking as much. It's <laughs> <laughs> only been 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, right. But I, I typically I drink with friends and things like that. And well, I, uh, can't hang out with friends right now. No, right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking to my one friend and right now, and I thought I'd have a beer. <laughs> your one friend. Well, your one friend's <laughs> name. I'm Michelle, and I like my steak well done and my buffalo wings boneless. Jesus. God damn. Wow. I mean. It's just like every week we do this and you pick a worst take. Like I'm, <laughs> you're just driving people away from the show with, you know, the friggin' bit of, so basically like perfect to you would be, you know, uh, a night with a well done steak uh, with Ben Affleck across the table and him tell you the, the one stipulation between you guys hooking up and not hooking up is you can't like peanut butter and chocolate together. Exactly. And also <laughs> no wings and or no, no bones, no bone in. Okay. Well, um, go, go ahead with our, with our ad, I think. Okay. So a uh, team Phoenix is a group of services designed to help startups, small to mid-level content producers, artists, and business owners with the power of professional agency support for their growth. Services include graphic, print, and web design, peer support, and an audience. Whether you want to brand your business or start a podcast, Team Phoenix is there to support you. Nailed it. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm, you're a professional. It only took three times. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've got some we've got a few podcast or a few uh, tweets to cover this week, and some I think some pretty. You know, last week I felt, the, or a couple weeks ago, I felt like we had a very good show, but I also felt like we took some easier tweets for us to handle. Yeah, we did. And uh, this week, we we didn't do that this time. No. Um, we, we picked some pretty controversial stuff and some stuff I, I don't know if we're going to see eye to eye on. Um, <laughs> and you started us off with friggin' well done steak, so. <laughs> okay, this first one is from James Wong, the Botany Geek, at Botany Geek is literally his handle on Twitter and I believe on Instagram as well. And he's a fantastic follow. You and I have both uh, been following him for as long as I can remember, and we've often talked about him. In fact, I think one of the first conversations we ever had mm -hmm. was about James. And yeah. he's a wonderful person, an, an amazing follow. He's interesting. He's entertaining. And I'm done with my man crush. <laughs> so, uh, but in this post, he's quote tweeting someone and uh, this person's name's Allison Pearson. And I think it was about three days ago. And she said, after this, let made in, made in China be a badge of shame. Hashtag coronavirus. And James quote tweeted her and said, all the newly produced ventilators made in China are currently being exported to keep the rest of the world alive. I take it Allison, should she need one, will be turning it down. 
And then, so he got some hate on that. Um, and, and basically he experienced some people, uh, you know, I guess misinterpreting his words, put it, putting words in his mouth. And so he responded with a tweet sometime later and said, you know, a surprising, a surprising number of people expecting me to justify the policies of the Chinese, Chinese government. For a guy from London, it's all rather weird. I wonder what it is about me that makes these people think that. And of course, he's being very sarcastic there because James it descends from, his family descends from Malaysia, I believe it is. Yes. And, you know, uh, the assumption, at least when I read the threads, you can really tell that some of the people responding um, kind of just lumped all Asian people or, uh, or descendants of people from Asia, kind of lumped them all together, um, you know, as in not differentiating any one country so- sovereignly, and which is, which is kind of racist. I mean, that's like, that's the same thing as saying someone from China, you know, saying that all Western culture is the same. Mm-hmm. There may be some similarities and that type of thing, but we don't have the same form of governments as even Canada or, you know, here in the United States. So it's not really a fair, it's, it's like saying all Europeans are the same uh, when you have way different languages and way different cultures from country to country. And I, I just found that, um, you know, it, it was a shame to see someone who does such such a great job and is so enlightening on Twitter um, and on Instagram be kind of drugged through the mud over just pointing out the fact that China is producing these ventilators. Well, you know, I, when I, I follow James quite regularly and I read through most of his tweets, I end up retweeting him a lot. And, you know, there's often like subtle racism directed at him that people don't even realize they're doing it or Mm -hmm. just complete outright. But, you know, getting back to the original tweet, he was quote tweeting. I really don't get how people misinterpreted what he said, because let's face it, the original tweet was one of those, you know, MAGA type tweets like, yo, go America, you know, and let's get rid of China. Um, and it, it was it was pandering to your more racist members of Twitter and so he was trying to point out that, hey, you know, China is producing a lot of good things, too, to help us with this. And to have people just completely misinterpret what he said is just mind boggling. And one thing I've, I've had many friends from different Asian countries over the years, especially when I was in college. And, you know, there are a lot of people who do lump all Asian cultures together. And I had a, a Korean girlfriend in college and so many people just assumed she was Japanese or Chinese and, and not even comprehend that there were many different countries over there with different traditions and different languages. And these are usually the same people who would get really upset if, you know, you just group all white people together. And it's always kind of fascinating. The same people that get mad at being grouped as, you know, all whites, they often do that to other cultures themselves. Well, I've, I've been guilty of it. Even within the United States, I've, I have a friend that's in the Philippines and she's, you know, said to me a couple of times over the years, she will comment on something that's going on in New York. And I will say, well, this isn't New York. 
like I'm all defensive and self-righteous about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, cause I'm in, you know, rural Illinois. Well, okay. <laughs> if I'm that defensive over just my location within my country, right. Yeah. Just imagine how it feels to someone that's from Vietnam being referred to as, you know, Japanese. Uh, it's, it's a little ridiculous and it's off putting. And then there's something to also understand the politics of China when he is, you know, he, he's a Londoner. Right. He was born and raised in, in England. And, and yeah. that's like, you know, someone expecting me to understand how the Irish parliament is taking care of something. I'm like, my family hasn't been there in 300 years. You know? <laughs> I mean, so why do you look at one person just because they look a little different and think, oh, they must, you know, know a lot about, uh, they must be directly from there. I think you've got the next one. Okay, I found this very interesting thread the other day, and um, I, I found this while you know I was getting hate tweets from a certain vegan, and uh, you know this isn't vegan related, but I thought it was a really interesting exchange that I saw on Twitter, mm-hmm. and uh, the original post. Uh, I'm not going to bother naming the names because you know it, the, the yeah, three channels, but the first post says y'all can't even handle one week in the comfort of your own home and believe people should spend years of their lives in prison and detention. Okay, so the second tweet, and, and I kind of, I, I really agree with this guy. He says, I think this could have been phrased better. There are mm-hmm. prisoners serving years for minor drug charges or weed that shouldn't be, but murderers, rapists, etc., they deserve to rot. And so someone then replied to him uh, in defense of the latter people he was describing. How does torturing them and violating their human rights make the world a better place? Okay, I'm going to go first on this one, I guess. Or Please you. do. <laughs> there's a lot packed into this thread. Mm-hmm. And there's and there's a lot to unpack in this thread. Obviously, there is an impropriety between someone serving time on drug charges versus someone serving time for rape or murder or, you know, being a pedophile or those type of things. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I don't know how you break all that down and decide who would get to be released from prison and who would not. The The challenge with that is, Michelle, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that a lot of criminals plea to lesser charges. Yes. Okay. So if you're just going to go off the charges, that's an issue because... You know, someone I I know of like an inmate that's in for attempted murder, but they pled down and only got 17 years. Well, is that person technically, you know, just because they're only guilty of kidnapping, is that make them safer for society than someone that committed murder? But it's a real question. So uh, I I don't know how you do that. Um, At the end of the day, they've committed a crime that broke the laws. And I don't know that that gives them the same rights that people who haven't broken laws get. Um, Will there be some people that are held unjustly with my way of thinking? Yep, I'll admit that right Mm -hmm. now. I just can't, because of all the little nuances and intricacies that, you know, you can't really look at. uh, I don't know how you, where you draw the line. And it's going to be a very wide and gray line. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I have seen over the years, a lot of different cases come through and I've been mind blown, like where, you know, you have someone with just some drug charges and they get 20 years in prison where someone who, you know, rapes someone only gets five years. And I've seen a lot of those kind of things come through and my mind is boggled why. And I often wonder, like, especially if it's a drug that like marijuana, like some of the people on extended jail time for marijuana, I just don't get. And I have to admit, I used to be a very hardline thinker that, nope, they broke the law. They deserve, you know, this, that. I really don't care about how they're treated in there. But as I grew up and matured, I realized, you know, they are human beings. Yes. And, you know, I have to give the um, Rachel you know, and uh, uh, on Twitter, Rachel the Great, a lot of credit because she's explained to me a lot of things about how the system works because her father uh, was a public defender. And so I've really gotten a lot of understanding from her. And she's a great person you want to talk to if, if you want to learn about um, the inconsistencies and the problems with prosecuting people. But in the end, there are people that are a danger to society. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's always been that way. In the past, you know, justice was swift. They were taken out. As much as, yes, they are a human being, it, as long as we can house them and shelter them and provide them the basics, they do need to be separated. And I don't feel bad that they are locked away in a room because they've already proven that they will do horrendous things. And especially if they're repeat offenders um, with murder and rape and molestation. No, I, I can't feel sorry for these people at all. I want them to get their food, their water, their shelter. But I don't feel like we're violating and torturing them by leaving them in a room because they've already done so much worse to other people. And yes, we shouldn't view a world as eye for an eye, but we're looking about looking at the greater good of society at this point. So we have a vegan tweet next. Is that right? Yes. Okay. From vegan savage. And this is at vegan savage. Uh, Next time you come after a vegan with the argument of quinoa and the tales of the exploited worker, remember the psychological impact your food choices have on workers from the higher rates of PTSD to the increased rate of suicide and domestic abuse, but bacon, right? Okay. And so I, I've, I've seen this claim come a lot at me about it's their new du jour argument that uh, slaughterhouse workers are either have they have more injuries, they have more PTSD, they're more likely to be violent at home. Um, any, especially any time we bring up the issues with the new f- non-vegan food fads usually being taken from some sort of uh, other culture to their detriment. And, you know, yeah, that's fixable. You know, like, and, I, it, and it's quinoa, not quinoa, quinoa. quinoa. <laughs> so quinoa wow. was originally grown in South America. I forget if it was, I think it was Peru. And so when, you know, us rich North Americans discovered it, we started buying it all up. And it turned out it was, you know, the staple of the poor uh, people in the area. And so they could no longer even afford to eat what they grew. And so it was to their detriment. And so we often, you know, it it often gets brought up in a discussion piece. And, you know, we probably, uh, from the side of non-vegans, it's probably time to lay that argument to death or to bed, not to death. Because, you know, we do grow quinoa in North America now, and that issue's evening out. 
Um, but I always have a real laugh about the study they always refer to on the increased accident rates in suicide and domestic abuse. Um, for one thing, the increased accident rates, um, I went and crunched all the numbers going through the reports they cited. It's actually the, um, the maintenance and cleaners at the slaughterhouses that have more rates of accident because they're dealing with the water and they often slip and fall. Now, I'm not saying we should diminish that. Obviously, better practice need to be put in place to save those people, but they're trying to act like it's the person on the floor slaughtering the animal who's getting injured. And while that happens, the actual rates are, are showing a different story. But the one when they're talking about domestic abuse, I, I, I looked at the study they were talking about, and it was one of those examples, like you expected any good rag magazine to do, is they take a little pet part of the story and run with it, you know, exaggerating the big picture, is there was a study, and it was, it was somewhere in Europe, that towns with abattoirs, abattoirs, uh, sorry to our European listeners, I know I said that wrong, so basically, towns with slaughterhouses have a higher rate of domestic abuse. So it's only the towns. So if there's a slaughterhouse in the town, they're, <laughs> they're trying to say that that must mean that the, uh, that the slaughterhouse is causing the domestic abuse, which oh, wow. cracks me up because almost every town has one. Sure. <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, it's a really, it's a stretch. And so I'm going to have, I have a little bit more to say, but I wanted to get your take. This is one of those tweets that I look at and I, I scroll, I generally scroll past pretty quickly because I feel like the person doesn't know anything or doesn't know what they're talking about. And that whole thread, you know, you sent me multiple tweets on that thread and I read them and you, you even have someone, you know, pointing out that if they, if someone had to kill animals they would not eat animals i mean that's effectively <laughs> what got said in the thread yeah and so i guess by that same logic and there's a lot of logic in this thread that, that all these people working at slaughterhouses must be vegans right <laughs> and they're getting injured <laughs> i just i'm just saying yeah. i mean maybe that's that where the concern comes from right <laughs> they have to kill these animals so they're they're clearly not eating them right <laughs> right <laughs> i mean i think that's what was said so <clears throat> um i you know but at the end of the day there are and i don't know about slaughterhouses i can't speak to that specifically but if you look at almost any industry today versus 20 years ago they often rotate uh what you do in those repetitive type jobs or factory yeah. settings so that you don't get those long-term injuries from doing the same motion over and over and over again. And I can't, I would imagine they do the same thing in slaughterhouses um, uh, to, to some degree, Yeah, you know, where they trade out. So I, on that alone, I can, I can see fallacy in that. And that's more or less my take on it. I mean, I, I just don't give it any validity whatsoever you know, I've hunted animals, I've slaughtered animals. I mean, when we farmed and had pigs and that type of thing, I, I sat on the living room floor and watched my parents butcher a pig on the kitchen table for crying out loud. And it, it wasn't 
off-putting to me. If I did it in front of my kids, they'd probably be playing with the guts. Uh, my kids have happily eaten multiple pigs they've raised. And, you know, of course, an animal rights activist listening to me say that, I'd be like, oh, you, you, you raised a yeah. incompassionate, you know, dangerous person. But, I mean, they raised the animal well. They knew where it was going to go in the end. And they learned compassion for an animal that was going to be a food animal. And in the end, they didn't have a problem eating it. And I almost think they think it tasted better because they're the one who put all the hard work in. Exactly. I mean, I raised two show steers, felt the same way when we when we had those taken to slaughter and ate them. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't didn't bother me at all. I, I had a clear understanding mm -hmm. that, you know, while I was close with the animal and that and that sort of thing, the animal would not have existed if it weren't for animal agriculture in fact the species wouldn't have existed right not at all you know so a, a vegan thought is that it's better to just never have existed yep rather than having at least lived a life i and, and i can only really get you know you don't want to eat animals because you absolutely love them but expecting others to have the same exact world ethos as you and I think the one that gets me off, uh, confuses me about a lot of their arguments is they always talk about being based in compassion, but they don't do very compassionate things to other humans. And I think, you sure. know, for, for me, it, and I finally, uh, it's been a year since it happened and, I, and I'm, you know, it's taken me a year to really want to talk about it. And a lot of people probably didn't think it was a big deal. But a year ago, I had to have skin cancer surgery on my face. And I talked to you a lot about it because it did, you know, I was worried about the scarring on my face and everything. And so the day of my skin cancer surgery, I actually got doxxed by animal rights activists on Twitter. And the tweet is still up amazingly. I don't know how it has not violated any community standards. But based on a lie and misrepresenting the tweet sequence of what I said, they tried to say I was attacking a young girl and I was not. And they, um, they posted my work information, where to find me, my boss's name. And they tried to destroy my livelihood. And it was all a game to them. They thought it was funny. And I'm sitting there, if you're preaching compassion, here I am in the recovery room, you know, my, and I was having those surgery. So your, my face was left wide open while they're making sure that all my cancer was removed. And I'm having to communicate with my superintendent, and my principal of what's going on. So instead of preparing for and relaxing and recovering, I'm having to clean up a mess that people who do not know me half a world away decided to do for shits and giggles. And to me, if yeah. you're preaching about being compassionate, they tried to destroy my life. They really did. And it, to, to try and preach compassion that. is just beyond me. And I've, because that, and for those of you guys who follow me on Twitter, you might notice I've become a little bit more impatient with them. That's why. And I've asked many of them, do you condone this? And they always just laugh and say, oh, I deserved it. Or they suddenly go quiet. You know, I guess any port in a storm for them. But, you know, bullshit on compassion. They're not. It's it's something else. And I don't know what it is. Well, Let's let's remember that part about them going quiet while I read this uh, next tweet. <laughs> um, 
All right. This one is from uh, Sim Ford. I'm not going to read this at handle. Uh, not a good follow. No. Um, I would not recommend. I'd recommend a block. Um, mm-hmm. DM me if you want to block this individual. He says, I saw, and he's responding to a tweet that was about Maxine Waters, I believe. He said, I saw that crazy bitch on the tube. She's an idiot. Most black people are stupid. The end. Sad but true. Uh, it, it pains me to read that. I'm just, I just want to say that right now. I'm, I'm sitting My eye is twitching. My eye is twitching. Yeah, even just to come up with that idea originally, it, it, it boggles my mind that he thought that was even appropriate to send him out when I'm sitting here like shaking it. I'm literally shaking and I'm almost afraid to talk about it because I'm afraid my words can be misconstrued for something I completely don't feel. And uh, this, this man is not the first time he's tweeted something. So tweeted something so stupid and idiotic about another person that I can't believe he I didn't realize people like this still existed in the world. Unfortunately, they do. And you mm-hmm. quote tweeted this tweet, so I'm going to let you talk about that. Yeah, I quote tweeted it. And, you know, I got to be full on. I said, see, racism does exist in ag. And I often hear a lot from people that, oh, agriculture isn't racist. And blah. You know, yes, the the industry itself is not but we have members of it who are and when you have a person who claims to be a rancher and has cattle on his profile and is on a public forum being racist a person who sees that outside of ag is going to be like man those farmers and that's just the reality of it yes not all farmers but we do have a few handful and as i always say you know what maybe racism is not as bad as we think it is but you know what it can always be better and let's be the industry that sets the standard that nothing will be accepted nothing and we take care and eliminate those that are that way now obviously we can't take them out but i just there can becomes a point where you have to take a stand to me and what you permit you promote if you stay quiet and ignore this kind of things they think it's okay and well, we're back to that staying quiet thing again right yes I, you know, pointed that out because I do agree with you on the point that some you have to stand up and say something mm-hmm. that isn't good. But I'll, unfortunately, most people suffer from the bystander effect, mm-hmm. and they're going to do nothing, or they don't want to get involved, or you know, they don't want to. My favorite excuse on social media for somebody not taking a stand is, "I don't want to get unfollowed." Well, you're a fucking idiot. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I'm just going to say that right now. You're just a, that's the stupidest shit on earth. If you care more about what other people think than what's right or what you think, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's probably why you suck at social media, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, I mean and I'm not talking to you. I'm just saying those oh. folks individually. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, you know, this guy's an idiot. Um, he had a pro. He had a Twitter account before this one that everybody blocked and he tried with this one a year and a half ago or a year ago to fool us all 
uh, that he was, you know, that this was some new account. And then his idiot thinking bled through and we all figured it out. Uh, That's about two hours to figure right. it out. Yeah, I mean, honestly. it wasn't like investigative reporting. It was like three tweets and it's like, yeah, that's that dumbass. Um, <laughs> here's my issue when we start talking about the isms and agriculture. Okay. And it's where you and I differ a little and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I've differed with other people a time or two maybe. <laughs> uh, whether it's racism or sexism, I get, I see the tweets, I see the posts men in agriculture or ag Twitter, this is, you know, take a look at, this is who you are. This is, it's worth, it's somehow worse than agriculture. And there's a couple of accounts on Twitter that really like to beat that drum. And, you know, they've got a small little audience that participates in that. And I, I just, it's ridiculous. And I can tell you it's ridiculous because I'm involved in some sports teams, Twitters, um, they have their bad actors and they have their racists that say things just like this. And they've got the sports team logo right up there on their profile. Mm-hmm. And so you could assume that all Cardinal fans or all Cub fans or whoever are just like that person. If you were reading that tweet and that was the assumption you make. Now, the problem is my opinion, the people who make those assumptions the people who read one post from one person and assume an entire industry is just like that are just as bad as a racist because they're pigeonholing a group of people for absolute basis whatsoever, just pure ignorance. And there's a whole lot of that in ag Twitter and in agriculture. And that gets a little tiring. If you're going to win against racism and if you're going to win against sexism, you have to start with reason. If you don't start with reason and appeal to people's better nature and their logic, you're going to alienate them and push them away and more will be silent and more will choose the wrong side. And that's just the way it is, folks. That's always been my issue with any of this is I can't look at this tweet as despicable as it is and say, that's agriculture. I can look at it and say, yeah, there's racism in agriculture, just like there's racism in sports. You know, go to a soccer game in Europe sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's racism in, in almost every element of society, and it's horrible, and yes, it needs called out. And it would be great if agriculture can lead the way, of course. But at the same time, we c- can't, bash your own industry and tear it down, especially when other industries and other segments of societies like vegans who don't call each other out mm-hmm. um, won't do the same thing. You have to at least stand up for the good as well. Yes, yeah. that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I agree. And, and and when my tweet, I think a lot of people assume I wasn't saying that see ag is racist. I said see it no. exists in there. Right. And, and that was you good. Know, I, you have taken the brunt of a lot of bullshit i have to admit and i completely see where you are coming from and and so i just want people to be brave enough to stand up and say hey that's wrong because enough people doing it those people will stop or they'll maybe finally just go silent and i have to admit maybe a little bit of my vitriol just comes from the person here in general because 
he has said some very awful things about oh, some yeah. very good people over the years. And so, you know, it, it's a really tough subject. And I, I honestly do see your side and agree with it. And so just like any other human, I have like multiple thoughts and sometimes <laughs> they'd all just get jumbled in my head. <laughs> well, and I thought how you framed it was great, uh, honestly, mm-hmm. because you said exactly correct. You said it exists in agriculture, which is just yeah. a true statement. Mm-hmm. Um, two dumbest statements are there is no racism in agriculture and all of agriculture is racist. And yeah, unfortunately, but that's where we are as a society today. It's like all or nothing. We're so extreme. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's the it's... horseshoe effect. You, you know, you pointed that out to me so many times over the past couple of years and, mm-hmm. and it's true. I mean, it's just true spend enough time on that idiot i want to get to i want you to read this next tweet because i'm really gonna have fun with this one <laughs> which one which one are we doing next uh, uh timmy tim's yeah oh uh, he was a he was a national fa officer when i was a baby ag teacher my I claim not fame. Know that. i was probably in the same room with him somewhere <laughs> so uh tim said unpopular opinion Retweets should equal endorsements. Okay, I'm going to go first on this one. <laughs> that's just wrong. Okay. First of all, I mean, that's just a dumb statement. And I love Tim. Uh, a terrific podcast that is probably one of the most well done podcasts that I've ever heard. So it's nothing like this show. Um, yeah, it plays a lot more listeners too. Yeah, he probably does. Like, you know, <laughs> if he had three, he'd have more listeners. <laughs> um, so. But here's my problem with the tweet. Uh, and I told Tim I would expound on it on the show. Okay, so if I'm reading a tweet, Fred, and I see in there uh, a comment from somebody that I've never seen before, but I really like it, and I want to retweet it. Now, based on his logic, I need to go to that person's account and do research on the person and see if they're a good person for me to be retweeting or not. And at, at the end of the day, this just becomes a giant jerk off session. And I think it's stupid. And I, those are the things in Twitter. And again, I love Tim to death. I've talked to Tim on the phone a couple of times. He's a fantastic guy. I consider him a friend, but this is a bullshit take. Honestly, you know, I've never really thought about the statement enough to give it much thought because it's like, if, if you've been on Twitter 10 years or longer, like that was common to see in, in bios, you know, opinions expressed are not the, uh, you know, views of my employer and retweets do not equal endorsements. And so I always thought that it meant like maybe you're not like you're putting the idea, but maybe you don't agree with it. And I was always a little bit confused. I never once thought back that if you retweet someone, you're kind of infor- endorsing the person. And, it, and if that's true, man, I've endorsed some loons over the years. Oh, me too. And- I, I, I like to retweet some hot takes. And, you know, I've retweeted quite a few. few pro- I think I've probably retweeted Trump once. I, I retweeted. That mass following. <laughs> Go ahead. It's going to happen in a second. But, yeah, I mean, I, I never really thought about what that meant until now (laughs) well yeah i mean and that's that's the thing is you know i have literally some of the things i have retweeted i have literally done it because i read the tweet and i was like so embarrassed just reading the tweet and giggling but like oh my gosh i would never say that and for me to say that that means it was really really risque 
And I retweeted yeah. it just for to see what if I would get reactions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote a few years ago. I retweeted something. Uh, joke about you know someone being taller than Tom Cruise and I retweeted it and joked hey I'm taller than Tom Cruise but I didn't realize like the originator was like some alt-right like you know because I didn't really look at the profile and look back at the thing and I think it's on Twitter if you're having to go researching the, tw- the person you retweeted that becomes a lot of oh my work. yeah and uh, sometimes an idea on a standalone is fine and you know I went did as soon as they were pointing out to me they were pretty much a Klansman you know, I, I did undo the retweet, but I, shoot, I am taller than Tom Cruise. I'm not gonna, that's not going to be taken away from me. <laughs> so moving on, uh, I'll read the next tweet. And this is from at, uh, at V Ranchow. Um, he says in his post, if I see one more Facebook post from a, from a someone trying to sell locker beef to people, Trying to stock up for a dollar twenty-five to a dollar thirty-five a pound, plus processing. If you want to be trusted, quit trying to pull a page out of the Packers playbook, meaning the meat packers. It should be the market, but it isn't. Markets really confuse me. I know the science behind raising animals. I know how their bodies work. I know how to raise a finished animal. But once you get to the marketing side, I am lost altogether. And so, I mean, OG Money Badger, he's tried to explain it to me a few times. And if I am not interested in the subject, I just tune out immediately. And that's where I get. Maybe Um, it was the deliverer in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Personal feeling is that a lot of these guys selling cheap are are probably in the danger of being losing their business or they're probably scared and trying to get the animals sold you know and i have this personal feeling that if you you can sell your product for whatever amount of money you want you know that's capitalism if you want to sell it for 550 a pound there's people who do you know if you want to sell it and lose a lot of money hey that's your choice but yeah i I, i'm still trying to wrap my mind around this so i'm gonna let you talk about it and see if i have a better opinion later my take is that I've interacted with him a couple times. He seems like a good dude. Um, I get from it is that he's frustrated that someone's getting more for their product than he is. And it's sour grapes. That's my take. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's just a bad day. I mean, we all have those. I certainly have one three to seven times a week. Um, (laughs) But in this, you know, when I first went into sales, the first year that I, um, that a gentleman that, mentored me some and he'd been in the sales seed sales business for 40 years and he watched me during a couple of calls and he just said one comment to me that stuck with me and it's you know don't be afraid to make money I know that some growers listening probably won't like hearing a seed salesperson say that but we we are all in business to make money right and not every year unfortunately in agriculture is that possible for people on my end on the grower end so on and so forth all that aside the end if you can sell a product and get more for it you're going to you should be doing it period end of story Mm -hmm. if you can make more money you should be making more money uh, someone's willing to pay it and it's not your job 
to educate clientele on what the market is. That's their job. Uh, and I've always had a problem with people that start down that path of, you know, it's like when some online chemical business recently, you know, in the past few years became possible. Well, they show me these great prices. No, great prices have always been there. Yeah. It's your job to go find them. Okay. It's not the cooperative's job that you do business with. It's like it's somebody in, to, to find good prices, just like with somebody that's buying, you know, as, as a consumer, when I go to the store, it's not Walmart's job to give me the best possible price they can. It's their job to yeah. make money. It's my job to find the best price. That whole thing, that's where See, I See, now I'm reading it from your angle. Because <laughs> I was trying to think he was saying that they're underselling. He's overselling. You know, it, <laughs> you know it, it goes back to me. Anyone can sell their product for whatever price they have. You know, I'll admit, I am thinking about getting a few Highland cattle because there's a market here where you can sell it for $20 a pound. And I'm going to do it. Because I want to make money, and I got to get this this little farm well, hey, making good. money again. You know, after the fruit market crashed, and I, you know, however you have to do it, it's up to you. Because you're gonna find your customer that is willing to pay what you want. There are people who like to overpay. There's people who like to have the cheapest possible, and trust me, there is the market for everybody. And so, it's it's tough times right now, yeah. and I understand everyone's frustration. Okay, I'm going to let you, because we've got a few wind tweets here, and I don't know which one you want to start with, because we're at, we're at that part of the show. Everybody's the favorite tweet. part, the winning part tweets. of the show. Um, he's kind of all tied together. Um, and by tie together, what I mean is that they're just batshit crazy. I'm expecting us um, to get a cease and desist one day. <laughs> so I'll let to need another beer to listen to Wynn's tweets. So I'm going to okay. let you do that well, while I go start... get a beer with her okay. crazy and then increase the scale all right so um first off you know all her tweets are going around covid topic because obviously that's what's everyone in mind unless you're an essential employee you are stuck in your house right now and we don't know how long it's going to be so it's caused a lot of people to share some interesting ideas and so this first one for her um, agriculture is doing more than fine. Everywhere I see, digging into projects and just automatic. Those that won't do well as do as well with mental health are city mouse used to makeup palettes going to restaurants and events and posting Insta selfies. Truly, they're going to be lost. I'm like, yeah. I'm like how did you put those <laughs> ideas together? Because, you know, just to assume that if someone lives in the city, they don't know how to occupy their mind and their brain and their spirit in a lockdown and just, Oh, those of us who live on farms, we're automatically doing better with it. And, and I'm going to be honestly tell you, I, am one of those people are not doing well in this lockdown and I'm a farmer. I have stuff to do around here. I have plenty to do, but it's been a break in my routine and it's been really bothering me so and i think it's just one of those things where people like to pat themselves on the back that their group is greatest but i think it's funny coming from her because she's also the first person to tear us all down as being a bunch of idiots uh, yeah so here's a couple issues with this tweet and it kind of ties back a little bit to what we were talking about before um with agriculture i mean this is an agricultural post and i can just tell you that if there had 
I actually, so I tweeted about this post and I asked people to guess who it was. Um, and I followed this post a little bit just to see if some of the same people who attack other people in agriculture for being, you know, too pro ag or too pro rural America. No one can, they're all blocked. And, out. <laughs> and they didn't. Yeah. And they didn't. No one did. Um, at the end of the day, you know, this is, to me, it's, it's almost a racist type tweet. Because you're, you're yep. somehow better at this than another part of society. And you're, lab- you're labeling people, you know, basically assuming everyone that's living in the city does nothing but take Insta selfies um, and sit on their butt. And that's not the case. I don't imagine uh, work two shifts very often, rode the subway both ways during her life in the middle of New York. So she probably has no fucking idea how hard that could be yeah and that that's my issue with that post is that it's just ignorant and well i might as well get an extra next right idea so COVID 19 will kill some famous people (laughs) that's when this will be taken seriously bet on it and hope it's soon for the sake of the usa that's fantastic so now it's yes she's hoping now it's okay as long as they're famous if they die, that's fine, because at least they'll be the sacrificial lamb that made the difference. Here's the doozy. So she's quote tweeting someone. Uh, she was quote tweeting there was someone in the Irish media who said the military is showing up because uh, you know often in cases like this, you know, a country calls on their military to help keep things in order and and to provide services because you know military is supposed to serve. Mm-hmm. domestically besides abroad but anyway she quotes me and says i'm only hoping the military take on a big role in usa the usa could easily be better off with a general running things i am ready and fine even for a military coup i don't know about the panicked woman in ireland but it's likely more will be I'll let you go. <laughs> so i think the last two lines she's hoping for a military takeover <laughs> of our government she's hoping for a dictatorship. She wants a military <laughs> dictator of one of the generals of our military. Now, these ones, I sit there and like, it's one of those things I'm like, do you, I, I really wish she had, she should have someone proofread her tweets and like say, yes, she would never idea, tweet no, if somebody idea. proofreaded her tweets. I mean, just... Exactly. But it's like, you know, it, historically looking at military takeovers, what military takeover has ever been a, po- a positive for a country? I, 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 there probably is an example, but if we think of all the recent ones, Castro, the, the guy we killed in the 80s. I, I can't remember his name. General Norman. It's, just, it's or, never turned that, out well. Oh, yeah, I know. Manuel Noriega. Nor- no, Norman Schwarzkopf. Was yeah. Yes, Noriega. I still remember a song on the morning yeah. radio show about him. I was a little kid, but yeah, it's, and I related to a general in the army. I mean, and, and I love, love person, but, and I probably really should watch what I say. Cause I don't need to have them, you know, investigated now, but uh, I, I don't even think they, they want that much. Power. Well, if you, if you, I guess <laughs> so. if you lived in a country that was taken over by a dictator that 
killed everybody on Instagram and one famous person win would be happy. I mean, that's... I, I, her, her worldview for America is really yeah, strange. I, you know, I don't know what she's on, but I bet it's good. <laughs> is it? I mean, I see old ladies happy dancing in New Orleans, you know, with the body paint on. What they're on is True. good. This is good just... Point. You know, if I kind of like, you know, you always talk and joke about her and we have our winning tweet, but this this is the first time I honestly say, like, someone well, the, should the, check These in are on damaging, her. I mean, tweets. They are just as, I mean, in some ways, these are just as damaging as some of the Simford tweets. Let's be honest. Yes. Um, oh, you know, yes. it, it, it may be not traditional racism in America like his tweet was, uh, but, but there is definitely. Mm-hmm some serious issues when you're, you know, actively looking forward to a, someone dying of COVID just based on their stat celebrity status. And, you know, you want a military coup and a dictatorship and you think all city people are worthless. Those are, those are terrible takes. And the fact that she, you know, just goes unchecked uh, by some of the some of the people I've seen just go right after other people really, really Mm -hmm. says a lot about them, too, in my opinion. Uh, They also suffer for the from the bystander effect when it's convenient for them. I don't know. That's my take. I'm just the anti-intellectual teacher who posts penis beads from New Orleans. And Do you know I got sent a bag of dicks <laughs> for my birthday? And I don't, they were that good. Awesome. They're gummy dicks, like, you know, the chewable kind. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what other dicks are like, but these were chewable. And they, <laughs> and I don't know who it's from. So it could be somebody that like fucking hates me. And I still posted it like a dumbass on social media. And now I'm talking about it on my podcast. And there's Was it the, the mini, mini ones? The and there's one. probably there's probably a group chat that's ones. like fucking mocking the piss out of me right now over over eating a bag of dicks because <laughs> I really did eat them, you know. I was pregnant uh, thinking about like, you know, random dicks. I was pregnant with my oldest and one of my best friends was getting married and I was maid of honor. <laughs> so I obviously couldn't drink at the bachelorette party and we were in, in Lake Tahoe and, and I made the mistake of buying penis straws and my friends all shoved them between their boobs so they were sticking out of their shirt and they were running around the casino holding their boobs together going do you want to suck my dick <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst bachelorette party to be sober at because I'm watching my friends and I couldn't drink I'm like this is bullshit <laughs> Do they realize how stupid they are right now? But they had a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm not sure now, 15, 16 years later, if I if I, if I would have had fun joining them in. But, you know, tiny penises always create some interesting drama. You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think on that note, we'll end. <laughs> All right. Well, Michelle, thanks thanks as always. And uh, to our audience, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it uh, greatly. 
uh, letting us be a part of your part of your day, part of your week. Um, and we'll see you again next time, Michelle.